In this episode, learn the do's and don'ts of owning a game store with our interview with a great association called the Washington Tabletop Gaming Association. And later, we do a game review of the RPG game called Realms. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, 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 our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium in Imperio. Now to our show. Hey, geeks! It's episode 17, <laughs> and I'm your host, Blue Samurai, and with me is... We'll go this way. Paul. I'm Doug. I, I would like to say that he's still Paul. Still Paul. He's he always still, still Paul. Paul. And you are still... I'm Kelly. That's right. And she'll always be Kelly. So we have a little special uh, podcast today because we are... Well, for one, we've got all four of us here, minus Joe. Sorry, never Joe. Happens. Sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. Next time. Well, we did it We did it at... Um, Dragonflight. Dragonflight. That's right. Yes. We did. But we are here at, the, at Naval Station Everett, and we're doing a game day salute. So we came out here with a bunch of games... Played a, with a bunch of sailors. A lot of Splendor. A lot of Splendor. Lot we of did like Splendor's that. Splendor's a great game. Mm-hmm. Trying to expand our nerd universe and bringing more people in. Did you guys have fun? Absolutely. Yeah. So what did you guys do? Uh, taught some people Splendor. <laughs> and uh, I taught someone Ogre. Oh. Okay. Good. Good. Doug? Uh, I played Splendor. Didn't do that well. Um, played Bunny Kingdom, which is Richard Garfield's in the game. And that game is actually pretty fun. It's got drafting and area control, mm-hmm. but it's it's somewhat random area control because in the beginning of the game, you'll have certain areas spread out across the map uh, where you'll have claimed your territory. Um, but towards the end of the game, you can start connecting those territories with these new cards that you're acquiring, hopefully, and kind of beefing up your, your empire that way. Sounds like you should be doing a game review over that. We'll huh? probably be doing one. I want to do Hot Shots first. Cool. Well, Hot Shots looked look like a fun game. I didn't see the other one. But. We've, we've got a we've got a queue of games, so we'll we'll work through it. I saw that game. Uh, we had uh, Volknor and Jeremy do Gravity Well. Is that what I, I saw? Believe, I, I think Gravwell? so. Gravwell. Gravwell. Okay. I've, I've never seen that before. That was first yes, Gravwell. It's right over there on that table. I think it got a, a Mensa <laughs> Select Award when it came out. So. Oh. Well, we have a. Well, we had a fun time here. We should do that at oh, yeah. the end of the year, too. And uh, we have a great podcast. And so, Paul, what do we got for the podcast? Well, we are going to talk to Washington Tabletop Association, who we probably talked to at Dragonflight. We did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's these two great kids. <laughs> Kelly and Doug are going to review realms for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our millennials that know how to do stuff. And uh, Generation X. Come on, man. You're... Born in 1990, yeah. Born before 2000. Yeah, no. Anyway. I'm sorry. You can keep thinking, <laughs> sorry, but you're not, you're not Gen X. Or Gen X. Or Gen I, X. I don't think about it no. that much. That's true. I don't want to label you guys. Look it up. But you know what? It, I tell you what. Listeners, if you think that I'm wrong, go ahead and uh, email me at geeksofcascade.com. Yes, at gmail. exactly. You want to correct Steve yep. any, on, on any topic right. at all? And if there's no we emails, then I know I'm right. email address now, Doug. So... Uh, anyway, I'm what do we pink. have? Well, besides that, we got con news. So, Doug, what do we got coming up with cons? So, coming up next month, we got Oricon down in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's been going on since 1979, so it's definitely been going on wow. quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be at the Red Lion. I think that's typically where it always is. Yeah, but it's uh, not a gaming convention. It kind of is. It's kind of sci-fi with mm-hmm. gaming convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be on uh, November 17th through the 19th. It's a pretty good time for board gaming and 
sci-fi stuff in general. You always so. ask him questions when it's his turn. I know, it throws him <laughs> off. A little bit. Yeah. Are you guys uh, taking your game store down there? Yes, yes. we will be there. Okay. Don cool. and Holly will be going down there. Well, good luck. Make lots of money. Yeah, or we will do try. You. So, uh, so we're a little distracted, so tell me. We're, we're, we're also playing a game while we're doing this podcast. What, uh, what is because this? Because that's what we do. This, oh, yes. this is King Domino. It, I think it won the Game of the Year award. I'd have to look I it up. I can't remember. Uh-huh. I'd have to look it up. And I know it got nominated. I'm pretty sure it won. Um, but it's your claiming domino tile style territories and adding them to your kingdom, trying to increase the size of those territories. Like we've got the woods and we've got the oceans and the, the fields. And right now it is Steve's turn to go. Oh, all um, right. Basically, what we'll do, we'll... You're going to want to connect your wheats in there, because right now these wheats are worth nothing. Oh, there you go. Okay. Plus, that's got a crown on it. Right. I don't know where you want to put that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, oh, wait, we are, we are taking our so, domino tiles and piecing them together into our kingdom, trying to expand them, like so, Kelly said, collecting these crowns. So we're going to do some... Are you guys going to put this in the Geeks Tabletop Game Review in the future? Or? We've been talking about that, probably doing a segment for... We've got a, such a big list. We you do. Have, and we're hitting we the do. end of the year, so we've got to start do. doing the nominees for the year. And Well, I've been oh, failing. Yeah. Well, Paul we and I have been failing because we have no yeah. interviews. That's, that's what we're so thinking we of doing. A uh, <laughs> uh, The Spiel des Jahres uh, kind of thing, where we review... All of the nominees and the winners, and why we think the winners should be the winners or not be the winners. That'll be fun. And be comparing. I could do this title upside down? Yes. Okay. You can rotate it however you want. So long as your board doesn't get bigger than five by five. Okay. Well, uh, how about this? Since uh, we're playing this game, we'll uh, listen in to the next interview. What what are we going to do first, though? Washington Tabletop Association. Let us do that then. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey Geeks, this is Blue Samurai here, and we have an interesting segment here. I know that uh, we've had a lot of interviews with game developers, and artists, and publishers, and even retailers, but I would, I thought it'd be nice to go into more of the retail side, like how to develop your own re- store, and this might be a series of different interviews, but what I want to do is uh, give you information to the listeners if you're... If you own a retail store, a game store, or you're thinking about opening up a game store, don't do it. You're going to be sad and frustrated. Uh, If you're already doing it, too bad. You're in. So, I I will say this. Opening up the store, if you're thinking about doing it, is not just about, hey, I'm doing fun stuff and playing games and my friends are coming in. It's about running a business. And, And running a business... Requires a lot of work and knowing regulations and tax regulations, etc., etc. Well, there's an association out there that can help you navigate that, and I, I just discovered it and learned about it. And we have the two folks here that are part of the association. We got Holly Chiza, who's their their lobbyist, right? Hello. Hello. Yes, I am. And we got David, who's been on the podcast before. He's, he runs yes. Vernon Wells. Yep. And he is kind of like the well, he's the spokesperson right now. <laughs> he's the, I'm in trouble. That's right. So, uh, just as background, Holly or David, how how did this come about? How, how, what, why well, is this association I'll, come about? I'll, I'll start with that one. Um, oftentimes, what you have is you have a, a, a government that uh, is putting in rules in place for the most people, and gamers are, well, it's rules, and gamers are very rules-centric. And what we've noticed is that those rules aren't fair for retailers. So... Uh, and publishers and manufacturers and and all of this stuff for the game industry. So what we're trying to do is um, work within the system to create the rules for our own game. And and my understanding is, and and Holly, you can let me know about this, is this originally started because there was some bill that was passed dealing with golf tournaments, of all things, and inadvertently that had affected... Uh, these game stores. That's right. And part of the challenge is that a lot of state agencies and a lot of regulators don't quite understand that the gaming and comic book stores 
are in a very different environment than a traditional retailer. Uh, there's a lot of product giveaways, there's contests, there's gaming days, and so Revenue's having a hard time understanding that within that bill that got passed earlier. So we're trying to help Revenue to, and other regulators to understand mm-hmm. how the laws that get passed by the legislature inadvertently impact retailers trying to do the right thing. And there was a shock amongst the retailers because several stores got hit with a large fine, and and maybe David, you can address, you can address this like. I mean, $50,000, a $30,000 fine, that, that puts you guys out of business. You're not rich that's, people. That's right? closing a store. You yep. know, your, 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 your huge stores may crack six figures, you know, uh, on, a, on a general quarter, but most stores don't have a lot of money. They don't have free cash flow. They're, they're really focusing on getting the games to the players and creating a community. So a fine like that can really, it does, it, it'll absolutely close the store down. Um, or, or really, uh, really uh, affect business um, at the at the very best case scenario. Yep. Um, and so this is a good way to, as you said, the, the, the golf tournaments. You know, a, a golf tournament and a magic tournament are very different animals. And when you try and treat them the same way, it doesn't work out very well. Nope. And and Holly, you've been around in this this business of being a you know working with government and with other businesses, not just tabletop gaming, right. you do grocery stores and stuff. Um, to those out there that maybe are running their game store and, or thinking about running a game store, can, can you point to instances where you know by not paying attention to government regulations? And the taxes, you can go out of business. They they don't take like, oh, I didn't know. Plausible deniability does not work no. uh, with the regulators. No, it doesn't. And and that's unfortunate in that a lot of retailers, to your earlier point, are really focused on taking care of the players, taking care of their gaming community and making sure that they've got the, the right games and, and the best releases coming out. They're not necessarily paying attention to sick leave laws or mm-hmm. the quarterly tax bill that's due or minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, for a business owner, that's what's going to bite you, is not your customers getting frustrated because you don't have the latest pack, but because the regulator realized you didn't pay those taxes right, and they're going to look back up to four years, find penalties, interest charges. That's what's going to get you in the long run. And so this association is now kind of operating loosely, I guess I understand. It's only been here for a couple months. So let's say I'm a, I'm a new store owner. I'm an existing store owner. Mm-hmm. I'm having problems. Uh, what can your association help me with? So I don't, David or Holly, or one of you. Well, we, one of the things that we're looking at doing is um, putting together a handbook for stores, and that handbook will help all retail stores. It'll be available through the state itself. If you want to start a new business, you can go to the state and get this handbook that'll help identify some of those uh, problem areas that you may run into. If you're already in business and you're not, you're you're wondering what to do. Um, we can be a resource where. Um, you can ask a question to uh, Holly, for instance. Holly can find the right person at the right organization within the state to ask the question to, I'm assuming. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> as I say that. And, well, and the nice thing, too, is you may, as you know, Comic A, not want the state to know that you're asking that question because you don't want to put the state on you. Mm. I can ask that question without bringing a specific retail store up. Right. And just say, I've got a member that just has a general question. Can you help answer that? And not get you flagged in the system over at a certain agency because you just have a genuine question, but now they're sniffing around. I can actually act as an intermediary and get answers to questions, generally, not just for one store, but for the industry as a whole. And you, and obviously you've dealt with these little associations uh, elsewhere, outside tabletop gaming, of mm-hmm. course, and so they're... There probably is a strength of being a part of an association rather than, hey, I'm a retailer. I'm just, I just got hit. Part of I'm going to just do this on this my own. I'm going to handle this on my own. Absolutely. And that usually doesn't work very well, right? I mean, well, the power of an association is is multiple ways. One is, you know, if a single comic store or a tabletop gaming store goes to the Department of Revenue and says, hey, I don't understand this, they may get some random answer or an auditor that doesn't understand. If you get 10 stores in a room all asking the same kinds of questions, now you can't be ignored by that agency anymore. And they've got to respond to you. And that's what we're already seeing with a couple of agencies, even as young as this association is, the agencies are responding, they're meeting as a group, they're responding in writing, which is very helpful. 
which an individual store may not get. And you get great support as an industry as a whole because often your question as a store is the same as nine other stores have as well. And you can finally get some answers to those questions. And is it not too late? Like if, if a owner is listening to this right now, they could help in the of trying to develop this this industry handbook um, mm-hmm. can they contact you guys absolutely we've uh, we've set up a Facebook group if uh, if an owner goes on and looks up uh, WA tabletop uh, association uh, gaming association I believe uh, on Facebook it's a closed group um, we do ask that uh, we are trying to keep it to industry members active industry members currently um, or uh, perspective as in I'm you know about to open up a store or something like that sure. we, we yeah. want to keep it focused a bit but uh, they can search on that they can find us uh, and apply to join to the group there um, and uh, they can we're still working on some of our other communications methods and okay. setting up that stuff can they email you <laughs> Or is yeah, is um, okay? absolutely. If, if anybody is interested, they can email me, um, me personally at uh, david at vnw.club. Um, that's uh, david at vnw.club. And I'm assuming you have show notes you can put that in or something. Yeah, I can probably. Um, but, uh, and I'd be happy to get them pointed to the right direction, get them talking to people, get them to the, uh, to the Facebook page or whatever is needed. And what, what do you see now? Obviously, this is just kind of developing... What do you see as the future of this association? What are the benefits for a game store? And I heard you might be including developers in this and designers, so that might be in the future too. Or maybe it's happening now, I don't know. Um, what do you see in the future of this association in terms of benefits for, for members? My, my vision of the association, which which is personal to me, um, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but at this point my vision is that I would love to see an organization that has a physical presence that we can have somebody that you can call um, that involves all the retailers, involves the publishers, involves the distributors, all the different tiers so that people can uh, essentially serve as a clearinghouse for information, whether it's the state, whether it's the the, the, the local uh, um, counties, whatever that is, to have a resource there mm-hmm. for the game industry. Right, because you do have local situations where it's not just state issues, but you might have a store who's like, you know what, I'm thinking about expanding somewhere, but then now you got to deal with permitting issues. Right. You have to deal and with the growth management and, 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 and everything. Yeah, yep. and, and there, yep. you know, um, my business, Vernon Wells, we uh, uh, we had ticketing issues, and there's a local ticketing tax for events right. when right. you have it, yeah. and you have to pay that to the city. Each yeah. city and county has, has a different tax and everything, yep. and, and that was something that we had to go through. And I, I see an industry organization as somebody who can help, you know, make that information more generally available mm-hmm. to the types of events that you're going to do. And things. And Holly, dealing with other associations, there, there's also other benefits, and I don't, and maybe David, you can tell me if this is going to happen, but do you see this as maturing so much where association members can go under an association and maybe healthcare plan or they develop a pension system to help their employees or anything like that? Or, is that, is that being talked about at all, or, um, you, or have you seen this in other places? I have absolutely seen other associations that have done that, that as businesses, because first and foremost are business owners, coming together to coordinate things like health insurance plans. There's a new paid family leave law that's coming into effect in 2019, getting folks together to pool resources to be able to pull that off. Because you want to take care of the folks that work for you. It's sometimes hard to be able to find that a way to do that financially. But if you come together as a group, you pull resources, you come together. The other nice thing about an association, too, is it's not just the, the challenges today. If there's positive things you want to do in the industry going forward, positive changes you want to make, you as a group can coordinate that and move as opposed to just always kind of having to, to be on the defense when, when tax laws kick in or other problems come. You can actually think of really big things you could do forward thinking to, to help the industry. I mean, in the, in, the, in the end, we're all gamers and we all are very aware of rules. And so why not be in a position where we can actually direct the rules yep. for our own organization, our own industry, yep. uh, and work with the legislature to find out, like, hey, what can we do that will make our jobs easier, you right. know, and make us our businesses stronger and our communities stronger. Right. I mean, for example, I saw you guys meeting this morning. Department mm-hmm. of Revenue was in the room, L and I was in the room, and you actually hammered out some issues that were 
gray or there's some discrepancy there and, and to get more clarification. So allow these retailers to actually operate um, yes. in this business climate. Yes. And, and it's nice to be able to put a retailer in a room with somebody who can answer a question versus I'm sending an email to a organization and I have no no connection with this group that I'm trying to, that has, that has honestly the, the life and death financial <laughs> implications of my business in their grasp. Well, no, you know, they're actually just people that you can sit at a table with and the industry kind of, you know, helps put that together and say, hey, look, here's the table that you all can sit at. Right. You know? And when the agencies have questions, if you've got an association out there, they know whom to talk to. They know, oh, this is that weird anomaly industry that operates a little bit differently. But look, there's that association. I know whom I can call to say, okay, we had an auditor go out to a tabletop store. They don't know what you all do at these gaming events mm-hmm. but I saw you have an association and, uh, so now I knew, know who to call really and I can ask those questions so we can better understand what you do and I could see a situation where you know you grow in strength and the retailers having a hard time with it with I don't know maybe a distributor or maybe a city or whoever right sure. and they can all team up and maybe negotiate a better deal yep yeah. so, so it's not just the regulatory or tax tax side of it or even the benefits of maybe perhaps getting an association plan or whatever, but it's also perhaps even the strength of being able to negotiate, negotiate away a bad deal or go, come to better terms or something. Or even like at WorkaCon, where there was a pre-event where the local chambers of commerce were invited, the hotels were invited, the city governments were invited, because I don't think people really appreciate that when you bring an event like that to their community, they think it's small dollars. They don't realize the amount of revenue that is generated by retail operations that are there on site in business and occupation taxes, sales tax for the local governments. They have no clue. Hotels, restaurants, getting community groups to talk with the association to promote those kind of things with your local chamber is a great opportunity for the association to really shine these retailers and how well they can they can work with them. Well, I thank both of you for coming on the podcast. Uh, again, that Thanks is the Washington <laughs> Tabletop uh, Game Association, is yep. that yep. and you can find them on Facebook. Uh, and then we'll hopefully at the end of this uh, this episode we'll, we'll tell you you know the email again, and we'll, we'll we will promote this. So thank you, Holly and David, for coming on the air. Absolutely, thanks, thank you. Thank you for joining. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Hey, and we're back. And that was a wonderful interview uh, by Holly and David for the that new uh, association. It's pretty cool. I didn't realize how much the uh, retailers are just getting hosed sometimes, just trying to do business. Just the questions that come up are just complicated. That's why I don't complicated. Do any, that's why I don't do those kind of things. I don't want to run a business. Yeah. No, neither. That's not. Me. I work for the man. But you make a recommendation right. recommendations I, to us I, on how to. I, I, <laughs> all the time he comes in, you should move that over there. I would much rather just come to your game store like I normally do, look around, and I'd say not something like, "Is Don around?" And then I leave. <laughs> That's what I like doing. That's exactly what you do. I, I know that is exactly what I do. Boop. So I laid down my piece. It's your okay. turn. Okay, it is my turn. You can pick a new it's piece. It's your turn. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pick that piece. All right, okay, next. You're going to lay that one down. Okay, that's... All right, anyway. um, I'm blathering on because I'm playing this game. This is a Uh lot harder than I thought, uh, playing a game and doing a podcast at the same time. I recommended an easy game. This is an easy game. It's not an easy game. It's dominoes. It's pretty easy. This is not dominoes. This is completely the opposite. It's going to get harder, though, because things are I don't even know where I'm supposed to put this. You have to attach it to your castle, unfortunately. Oh, Oh, you... Can I go like that? Sure, as long as you don't exceed would, that yeah, 5 I would, by 5 I would do it like that, yeah. Okay. Anyhow, if you guys recall, so, no, last week we talked to Michael Miller. Okay. Why? Last few places this piece. Okay. <laughs> we talked to Michael Miller. No, oh, yeah. He's leave him with an empty space. Okay. Of Realms. And this week, Kelly and Doug are going to review that, as promised. Realms? Yes. Oh, that's the thing with there. There's like six different ways to perform. Oh, yeah, there are. It's, it's great. Cool. It, it's... Super in depth and 
Well, you'll hear in our review. <laughs> Have you heard about the game before? Or was it, that, was, that was the first time? That was the first time we heard of it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You approached us at OrcaCon and said, here, do this. Sure. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's basically all it takes. Here's <laughs> right. This. So send, send, send emails in, everybody. All Absolutely. you got to do is email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com or what's the other place? Uh, I typically say Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Well, there, that too. All right. Well, let's listen to the review. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Hey everyone, this is Doug here at Games Plus in Lake Stevens, and I'm here with Kelly. Hey guys, how's it going? And we got another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. Volume 1? This is Volume 1, yes. Sure. The, the continuation of Volume 1. <laughs> I don't know what episode we're on. Yeah. This time we are stepping away from board games and doing a role-playing system this time. Yeah. Uh, we're doing, it's called Realms RPG System. Uh, and he was at Dragonflight. You can buy it in paper and not in paper and online. and. Yeah, online, Amazon. Uh, it's about 30 bucks, which isn't that bad for the paperback. And digital, you can get it on RPG Now for 20 bucks. And then the dollar add-on for uh, the character sheet with the auto fill-in, which will definitely come in handy if you do pick Absolutely. this up. This is where I step back and let Doug say names for the developers. Yeah, it was developed uh, by Michael Miller and Roberta and Teresa Miller as well. I don't know if they're related. It kind of sounded like that coming from Chad, who uh, we had here earlier. He was also part of the developer and one of the final content editors. And uh, he seemed like a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Pretty much knew what he, knew he what had he was like doing. 40 years of RPG experience and mm-hmm. a lot of work went into this RPG for him. Yeah. And it's got cover artwork from Amy Stewart. Stewart. I think I wrote this down wrong, but I think it's Amy Stewart. <laughs> uh, and some of the. I interior- trusted you. I'm so sorry. And some uh, interior artwork uh, from Frank Teal. And so it's some pretty good artwork. They have three different books. There's a fantasy, there's worlds. cyber. Three different worlds, represented by three different books. Yeah, represented by three different books, yeah. There's fantasy, like your whole Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder kind of world. Then you get into cyber, which currently is, is like... Modern? More kind of a little bit futuristic, couple hundred years in the future. Not quite to space travel yet. Uh, popular space travel, that is. Um, but kind of more of that old cyberpunk kind of stuff. And then you get into space, which is definitely far into the future... Uh, Star Trek and kind of Firefly-esque type system. Yeah. Now, we played the fantasy system today with Chad, uh, which... And for about an hour of character generation. For about an uh, yeah, about <laughs> 45 minutes to an hour 15 of character generation. It was kind of hard because we just had the one laptop doing the... filling in the Excel sheet, but... Well, yeah. And the second character went a lot faster, which yeah, we're definitely. like, oh, what does that do? All right, cool. Yeah, definitely. So it, it uses the D100 system. Uh, or the percentile system. We were rolling percentile dice. Yeah, your uh, odds are better with percentile dice anyway. Yeah, I, I like rolling that better anyway. And it's not that different than most uh, role-playing systems that I've played. I mostly have uh, just D&D background and some one-shots of some other systems. Uh, I don't know what you've played, what you think it would compare to. Um... I'm not quite sure. I've played a lot of D10 systems, but not really anything that's a D100-based system. I think Palladium might be D100. Maybe. We'd have to ask the the role players here that play Palladium once a week. Yeah. That's unimportant. But, yeah, it's totally fine. Character generation uh, was pretty straightforward. You randomize your stats. It's not really randomizing numbers to input into stats. You create your total uh, stat pool. And then you put points into your stats. And then you put points into your stats kind of along the lines of And you have your standard strength, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, um, constitution. But you also have things like willpower and agility instead of dexterity. Mm -hmm. uh, And quickness, uh, which once again, instead of that dexterity. uh, And you also got appearance. How well you dress yourself. Yeah, definitely. How well you uh, appear to everyone else. That is... Somewhat important, because if you don't look nice, I don't think people will interact with you that well. Uh, just like having a bad charisma score, people won't. Inter- it, it's 
very definitely role-playing based. Well, it, it's a great combat system. And he left it up to the DMs for mm-hmm. a lot of of that role-playing stuff. Yeah, and this is definitely up to the GM on how some of the rules can be interpreted. Or how important those stats are. Yeah. Because it's going to have to be edited anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so just like normal uh, kind of things, there are modifiers that you get from your attributes uh, that affect some of your skills. And we'll kind of jump into the skill part of it, because we have lots to talk about the skills in this game. Oh, jeez. There is over 150 different types of skills that you can choose. Uh, some of which you can choose twice based on like if you want to get proficient in more than one weapon or more than one uh, armor, or if you want to play two different types of instruments. Uh, and it's a very diverse pool of skills and such. They, uh, As opposed to putting everything into perform like you would in uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, like if you were a bard, if you were to do... Yeah, a, there's performance and things like that. Uh, which is... All of that would come out of that one stat. Every time you roll, you would get that bonus every time. Uh, this system breaks it down into entertaining, singing, playing your instrument, dancing, public speaking, uh, and a few other... It's more specific on skills and being proficient in those skills versus just kind of generic performance, where in like Dungeons & Dragons, performance could be dancing up on a table in a bar or playing an instrument or singing, where this one yeah. is definitely more honed to be that certain skill that you want to be excellent at. Yeah, it allows you to... Um, the word I am looking for is... Min-max? Not min-max. Flush out your character, like, background or idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on what you want. I mean, like, yeah, it's cool. I'm a, I'm a ranger, and I know how to use a bow, and I'm an elven ranger, and... But I specifically know how to play with animals and look for herbs versus uh, ambushing or trap setting, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there is definitely more. You can definitely uh, detail out your character's background a lot easier in this uh, for more specific things, like you said, trap making and trap building versus animal handling and things like that for a ranger. Which is a completely different skill from trap disarming. It is, yeah. There is trap (laughs) building and trap disarming. Two different things. Yes. Um, That being said, the skills play a very uh, integral role in your character's eventual output. Uh, Things like you can take bodybuilding, which allows you to increase your hit points. Uh, You can take dodge effects or parries that allow you to then dodge attacks or parry them. Um, Which we saw an example of in combat when when I attacked someone because uh, I was dual wielding stuff, I attacked them with my one sword. They had a chance to dodge that, but with my other attack with my other sword... They only had one dodge. They only had the one dodge, yeah. They couldn't dodge a second time. So having those defenses a little bit and being more skilled in them but if you'd taken, allows you to... If you'd taken evasion and parry, you could have parried one of yours and then dodged the other, potentially. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's different bonuses you get based on the your skill level and your modifiers for that attribute. Yeah, your attribute modifier. Um, Even though you put, like, one point in acrobatics, you might end up with a total of 16, because we're dealing with a 100-point system here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Then you get into spellbuilding. Spellbuilding is... Or spell selection is... And everyone's a spell user. Everyone can be a spell user, yeah. You can select a non-spellcaster, which kind of doubles your skill points. It puts everything you would have put into spells into skills instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, choosing the non-spellcaster. Apparently, it's a harder difficulty mm-hmm. because everyone's a spellcaster, regardless of their occupation or whatever. Mm-hmm. What and are you guys talking about? We are reviewing an RPG system. Sweet. On Mike. Yeah. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Why are you guys standing on him? We're not standing on him. You can't see him. Hey. So the spells are a little bit weird in this, in that everyone can be a spellcaster, right? Like you said. But if you're... There's different schools. There's different schools, yeah. Yeah, so like, 
as a ranger, I would have general magic or combat magic versus the you were a I was a witch hunter witch that hunter. also had combat magic and priest healing, which there's kind of an overlap on some of the classes. I think there's, everybody there's, has access to general magic, which yeah. is like cantrips and alarm. Uh, All that kind of basic spellcasting stuff. But then you get to like combat mages where there's more damage dealing spells and the priest healing stuff is more healing because I had heal and unheal, which is like cure light wounds or... Inflict damage. I think it's inflicted damage. I forget inflict what it is. Inflict minor wounds or something like that. I think that's what it is. Something like that. If you were playing D&D in D&D terms. Yes, exactly. But then there was like soul trapping for priest healing where you could keep a soul from passing on uh, in case you needed to revive a, revive someone, which I also took that spell, restore life, things like that. So there's lots to choose from, um, and if you pick a spell from the list that you can, counts as one spell point. But if you go outside of that, it only costs four spell points. So you can also kind of multi-class spells... Uh, like that. It'd be a cross-class skill. Cross-class cross school yeah. spell. Something um, like that. There's nothing prohibiting you from it. It just costs you more to do it. Which I guess is kind of good. As you level up, you can get different spells from other classes uh, to add to what you already have. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely helps with a little bit of other things, too. Like, Even though as a ranger, alchemy wouldn't be... Um, a spell that I would know, I could still go out and find that's the other spells. Like technically, I could do an elemental ward or a brew potion, or I could f- use herb finding as a spell or herb lore mm-hmm. as a spell, and just instantly, oh, what's that? Because I don't know where I am or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely not prohibiting you from doing that. Now we get into combat. We had a oh my god, I loved it. Combat was pretty good. We had uh, a basic gladiatorial sparring match uh, in the arena just to test out combat. And it was pretty good. Um, basically, it, everyone rolls initiative on the d Every round. Every round, everyone will roll initiative. Uh, and if you roll... It's 95 or higher? No, it was just if your total initiative plus your initiative bonus, whatever you roll plus your initiative bonus, ended up above 100... You went twice in the round. That's true, yeah. So you rolled, I think, 95 once. Which got me Which a 105. Which got you up to 105, yeah. So I went at 105 and then again at 5. Yeah. So there's the extra feats. I'll get you later. So there's the extra kind of things where you can do the... I forgot how I said it. The, the cool, like, superhero... Fire the gun three times before the normal soldier has even got his back up to the... Yeah, something like that, where you the, get... The V for Vendetta scene, where there's like eight gunmen, and they haven't even loaded their... They've unloaded their guns, and then they have to reload, and then the time it takes them to reload, he's killed them all. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. Definitely, it is great like that. But there's also a little bit something extra as we get into what you do for the round. Now, when you attack someone with a melee attack or a range attack, you roll your percentile die, and you toll it with your to-hit bonus. Um, but if you roll 95 or higher just on the dice, you get to roll again. And if you roll 95 or higher, you get to roll again. And those numbers keep getting added together uh, to get larger and larger. Now, like before we said, you there's, have, a dodge roll. there's a dodge roll for... Uh, your opponent if they have the ability to dodge. Or Which is parry. just a, a meter beat. Uh, if Doug rolls a 67 I have to roll a 67 or better uh, versus his attack. Mm-hmm. So there's still the, my attack was really good or my attack was because eh, I rolled a 17. Um, and you'll get to dodge that or parry it mm-hmm. if you're in melee combat. Yeah, And so you compare melee attack or your attack against their dodge or parry and then you just roll your damage. Now, what, what's in this is they have different types of armor, but your armor also has... Hit points. I would, yeah, assume call hit points, where it takes damage as it gets hit. Which, once your armor takes enough damage, it doesn't protect you anymore, and it starts hitting your life points. Yeah, so armor doesn't increase... It, you don't have an armor class. It's, you don't become harder to hit because of your armor. 
Your armor just soaks up damage for you until it's gone. Mm-hmm. Your armor class then becomes your dodge bonus. Yeah. Uh, if you get a dodge. If you have a high enough agility or if you mm-hmm. forgot to put points in evasion. Yeah. I wasn't worried about that. It was We didn't totally even know fun. it was doing that until yeah, we I hit didn't. combat and go, oh, you get a dodge. Yeah, so that's <laughs> fine. I took it in perception and kind of uh, some more strategic skills, but that's fine. To each their own. Yeah, we totally build characters expecting to go through an hour's worth of whatever. No, I'm just going to throw in basic combat. Yeah. Okay, then why that's... should I just build these characters? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, didn't get into too much spell casting, but it is a you little bit mana different. Points. You do get mana points, which are, if you're anything like 5th edition D&D, they're like your spell slots. So for each... Uh, level in the spell. Level in the spell, you have to expend one mana point. So if you're casting a fifth level spell, you have to spend five mana points. Mm-hmm. Um, but the caster can choose to cast at a lower level. Yes. Which for it's for lower damage, and it scales with uh, spell level as well. But uh, rather than just having like a simple action for casting the spell or kind of a small action, it has a time that it takes for the spell to finish. And each spell is different. Yeah. Some has like 20 plus a certain number of time for spell levels, things like that. Uh, and that happens when you cast it at your initiative value, you wait going down based on the time. In so initiative I, value. Yeah, in initiative value. So if I cast it at like 84 and it's like a 50 uh, duration spell, it's gonna at go off. 34 it's going to go off and do what it's supposed to do. Which hopefully your bad guy hasn't moved from the spot that you decided to cast Lightning Bolt at. Yeah. <laughs> I got Lightning Storm for the area, area of effect, so it's Great. not that bad. Uh, so it, it's definitely uh, interesting like that. We came up with, uh, there was an example in the book of a surprise round with spellcasters casting spells. And I'm like, how do they, when do they go off? Because once they begin like how casting how many seconds spells, is an initiative round of 100? Yeah. It was some things like that. Do it, does it go off whenever we roll our new initiative values? Because I've already begun casting it. And like you said, it's up to the DM. It makes sense that at that time your spell is done casting and it just finishes and you just do that. And this is a relatively new book. Uh, I think you said it was only on second printing. And something like this, as new as it is, it's probably going to be evolving and getting answers to all of those kind of questions mm-hmm. as it goes. Yeah. I mean... He was using a Gen 1 character sheet builder, and we were using Gen 2 books, and he didn't have half of the races that we were trying to use. And that's, that's what I like. It's, there's multiple races you can choose from. All right, just like the... This is a player, flexible, whatever you want to use this for. Mm-hmm. It's going to do it. Uh, it can do everything from avian races to mermaid races to cat people to cat people. There's, there's dinosaurs, lizard people, right? Which he didn't have, and I really wanted to play uh, one of the greater sauruses. I wanted to play a jungle cat. Yeah, but no. Then we had to compromise and use one of the races he had, but it was it was still definitely great. Uh, he was uh, really helpful in getting us to know the system. Which and is what we, it was intended for. It was yeah. not like we were doing a full campaign and what race we chose actually in, in mm-hmm. eventually mattered. Yeah. Overall, I liked it. I really uh, liked the combat system. Combat system is nice, yeah. It is looking at the character sheet, seeing it's like almost five pages, but three of those pages are the skills and spells. It's a little hard to follow, and yeah, definitely if you're not, if you're not playing a spellcaster, you don't need to lay out the spells. Um... And I mean, in the Excel sheet, it has a separate uh, workbook, not workbook, a separate sheet for the spells. And I think, skills. And skills. No, skills were on the on the first page, okay. on the first sheet. But if, as you're adding to these skills, they, I think if they could, auto-fill in on the front page what those skills are and what your levels are, rather than having this entire sheet of possible, I don't know how many, probably... That's just a little bit of nitpicking and yeah, I, it's things. The character sheet itself is very off-putting for a new player, yeah, who has no clue what the system is. In which case, I definitely recommend that DMs just build the character either for them 
Or have pre-made characters. Mm-hmm. Um, or go based on what the, the player wants. Like, oh, I want to be this rogue-type person that can pick locks and uh, pickpocket people and is really good at sneaking up on stuff. Yeah. And then go through them, show them these skills. Like, oh, you'll probably pick some of these skills. Did we discuss classes? I don't think we discussed classes. Because there's, there's not classes. There aren't there's any no classes. classes. Um, there's occupations. Professions. Professions. Yes. Well, on the character sheet, it says occupation. In the book, it says profession. <laughs> Interchangeable between the <laughs> two. But that, that basically is your class. It gives you some bonuses and some skills, some uh, points and some skills just for being that class. Yeah, it gives you autofill skill points mm-hmm. uh, that don't count against your skill points. That you're given. That you're given. To start with, yeah. Overall, I think it would be really good. Definitely, it's it's pretty much a little bit. Uh, the DM needs to have tons of experience. I won't say tons. They need to know it. Uh, what they're doing. What they're doing. Where definitely. their where their story is going. Yes. What their plan is. Mm-hmm. Because I could be using some of my skills in the adventure, and the DM can be like, "I don't know what this is doing in my adventure," so I'm just gonna probably say no. And I wouldn't want that to have happened to me. It's it's up to the DM on some things. Because um, yeah. it gives the players so much flexibility. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to clash too much with what the DM is trying to do, I would think. That's something or the he, DM needs to know how to roll with the punches. Yeah, something like that. It would be up to the... It's how the DM deals with things that are happening. But overall, would you play it? Would you get a, a group together to play it? I'm definitely going to recommend it to a couple of my, our mm-hmm. regular D&D groups. I would too, probably. They, I think they already play a few D100 systems. So I think I'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. If you got any suggestions for us uh, to review, shoot us a line over on Facebook, either at the Geeks of Cascadia page at facebook.com slash geeksofcascadia or on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash gamesplusWA. Thanks. Have fun, guys. Back from that awesome review of Realms, uh, if I do say so myself. Well, that was a great, yeah, <laughs> that was a great, great intro. Yeah. That was good. All right, I never bye. do the intros. Hey, that was good. That was First good. time. Oh, it's my turn. So, what do you think about doing um, Starfinder? I like Starfinder. I've read pretty decently into the book. Uh, however, we can't get it. What? It. Every I mean, everyone is out of it. All of our distributors are out of it. We can get pawns. You got, I thought. Didn't you get? I, I bought, like, it came in the day, and I bought it immediately, and that well, was then it. Well, then, you can we're do a game review, We're right? still waiting on third. Yeah, we can do a game review, no yeah. problem. Yeah. You can run us through it. Yeah. We will actually that, That's run. your guys' job, is the game review. That's <laughs> that's why we that's why I hired <laughs> you on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I saw that sweet, sweet podcast much. <laughs> Man. I haven't seen any kickbacks yet. I it's haven't coming. looked at any of the... Okay. Uh, Look at, it's the a, we Half do it in the form of a bonus. Anyway, is it like dinner at these kinds of events? That's right. Because I won't say no to dinner. So. That's right. Well, good. Nice. Good. Well, well. anyway, <laughs> you guys are doing a great sheep. job. And I know we got... What, what are the future... Uh, what other future reviews we got going so far? Well, we've been back we and forth on a few of them. Like, we want to do King Domino. We want to do... Uh, Hot Shots just came out. And it's, I'm super excited about Hot Shots. Uh, the expansion of Splendor just came out, and what's getting super excited about it. Um, and Terraforming Mars, I think you guys already did. We already yeah, did we that, did that one. one. We already did Five Tribes, which is yes. actually pretty great. We haven't, we have not posted that yet, so looking forward to that one. Coming yeah. up. Yes, coming up next week. We don't know. <laughs> it's still who's going? Who, who's oh, going? Oh, I have Paul? to move. Okay. It's, my, it's my turn to move. <laughs> I'm running out of places to put things, yes. so I'm getting confused. I'm already five here. Yeah, so this is going to be a dead space for you. Okay. And you're going to have another, another dead space on the other side, unfortunately. I, I don't know about this podcasting and playing a game at the it's, same it's, time. It's probably I, not I, very I interesting this, to people listening. I mean, we only have tens and tens <laughs> of dedicated listeners. We don't want to 
bummed I, them out already. I got us another listener last All week. Right. Oh, you did? I got our local uh, representative at our distributor to do it. Our oh, local rep at our distributor. Oh. Dick's the best guy cool. ever. Yeah. That is awesome. He gets us all of our cool board games. We should interview cool. him. Like, you should. Well, what it's like to be a distributor in the industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good idea. Yeah. That's a very good idea. And we're desperate, so we need to talk to people. <laughs> so that's good. I we're will try and set it up. All right. He's Sounds got, good. Like, four I mean, kids you still got one of the Navy kids running around if you want to interview one of the Navy kids. I could just grab one of these kids, yeah. Well, I shouldn't call it kids. They're, they're sailors, they're grown definitely adults. adults. Yes, doing a great job defending America. That's right. Oh, it's my turn. Well, hey, I think that's all we've got. Well, we do have to remind people Oh yes. about OrcaCon. That is important. Everyone's heard by now that we had to move it. We're sorry. We didn't mm-hmm. want to, but we did. Hotel prices are the same. The con- uh, badge prices are the same. And it's just going to be a little bit bigger, and uh, we'll see what we do next year. But this More year, space. we're yeah. going to be Wait, did you oh. did you guys not talk about that in your convention segment? You didn't even mention OrcaCon? We breezed oh, no. right past it. I, <laughs> you didn't even mention it. You didn't even mention it. Rusticon com- either, so whatever. It's coming up in January. It's going to be in Bellevue. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And for more information, go to orcacon.org. Please consider volunteering because that's what makes cons run. Also, if you want to send us some email, that would be great. Or it's, what, it's not OrcaCon. No, it's, it's Geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. That's right. Well, that's well, Geeks of Cascadia on Twitter and on Facebook mm-hmm. and on Instagram. So please follow us there. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever. You on Spotify? Or more importantly, more importantly, recommend us to your friends. Yes. yes. Definitely. And you can, and I've said this before, you can click five stars and say that we suck. All we care about is the stars. No, actually, you want, a, you want four stars because nobody's going to believe the five stars reviews. That's true. Reviews. Put four oh, yeah. stars, <laughs> and you can write whatever comment you want. Yes. yes. And Just like nobody's going to read the one-star reviews. So. And, well, and Paul and I would like to know who is listening to us in Indonesia, because we think it's uh, I think it's an old high school friend, but we're not sure. You haven't emailed us, so it's... Remember, <laughs> it might be, cascade, gmail.com. It's not Bill. It could be Ron. Ah, it could be Ron, yeah. Well, yeah. and I want to know who's listening to us in at Great Great Britain. I think it's Lynn Hardy. Maybe. I hope it's Lynn Hardy. I hope so. It'd be kind of cool if she was listening to it was us. She's awesome. So. She crossed a couple continents, huh? Oh, yeah. I played yeah. for you. Yeah. It's unfortunate because you can't play that, so I don't well, anyway, know why you picked it. I guess we better go because well, we got to finish this it game. Just so, yeah. embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. <laughs> Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.